Hello, dear Gestalten podcast listener. My name is Martin Groschwald and welcome to a new episode of our absolutely lovely podcast. And for this one, I am actually very excited. I know I've said this a few times already on the pod, but I'm genuinely excited about this one because I think we've never had a designer on an episode of such a recent car, but also such an important car, let's say an important brand. Uh, and I'm talking about the Porsche 992 and its designer, Ben Baum. So Ben actually took about an hour of his time, sat down with me. We talked about the 992. We talked about Porsche as a design organization. We talked about some of the good things. We talked about some of the you know things that can be better in the future at Porsche, but also we talked about why he left Porsche and the Volkswagen Group. Uh, he was in Beijing for, you know, a couple of years to start work for a startup called Li Xiang in Beijing. So, I hope you will enjoy this as much as I did. And without further ado, Porsche 992, designed by Ben Baum, in conversation with me, Martin Groschwald, at the Gestalten Podcast. Let's go. Ben Baum, welcome to the Gestalten Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And uh, I am recording this straight out of Paris. You are sitting in Beijing. And I think we've never had a more international podcast. I think it was always either Munich or somewhere else. Or like, you know, my uh, my partner in crime and recording podcasts was in the same location. But it's never been that I was not in Munich or in a, in a show. And uh, so I think it's the longest distance I've ever recorded a podcast. Welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me, man. Um, the future just started. I, I feel like it, you know, like you're sitting in Paris, I'm sitting in Beijing. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Off the charts, off the charts. But uh, let's crack on. Um, and we want to talk about a couple of things. We want to talk a little bit about your past because your past is very interesting. But we also want to talk uh, quite a bit about your present and the future. And let's talk about the past, first of all. And a lot of people know that you have had quite a few years at Porsche and you were alongside with a colleague, the lead designer for the latest 992, uh, which is, of course, a 911 for the for our listeners that uh, are not aware of the model naming in Porsche. And let me ask you this question up front. How was it to design probably the most iconic car that is out there right now? A 911, was there pressure? Was this a kind of, did you understand what you're doing at this moment in time? Or how, how did you feel about doing a 911? Mm, I think the feeling was less spectacular than you would have thought. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, you are in, you know, like you work every day, like it's like, it's a very, uh, it's, um, you're in your daily business. And then like one day your design boss will come and tell you, okay, we start a 992 now. And of course, in the first two, three weeks or four weeks, even you are like pretty excited about it. But after like, for example, the scale phase, my scale phase, because I had the first scale model in the team uh, was almost or more than one year. So when you work more than one year on a scale model or on several scale models, it kind of gets boring, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> I, I can imagine that. And how, I mean, how, how is that process? I mean, if you, 
if you ask designers, and there's so many of them would say, I would love to do like a 9-11 uh, at some point in my career. How, how can, you know, the normal person imagine that a process like this works? Is this actually like, you know, you're being told like, look, we're using a similar platform of what we have done before. So like, you know, and obviously the pressure of the history that comes with it as well. Where is the creativity coming for such a project that is so iconic where you have to be more scared about changing anything uh, than, than probably brave about pushing something forward? Because I can imagine the, you know, the, the, the tradition holds, holds back a lot in projects like this. That's definitely the case. So you have to always think how far can I go and how far must I go? Um, in this particular project, it was kind of open in the beginning because when we when we started the project, we were still out in Renningen, which was a, um, a satellite studio in Stuttgart, basically, of Porsche, because our old studio was way, 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 way too small. And so we had the task of like just imagine how could the next 992 look like. We actually worked parallel to the proportion model, which was done in the um, proportion studio in Flacht. And we got actually all the freedom we wanted. So um, in the beginning, it was, was, was very, very open. But during the process, of course, this narrows down. Um, and like then the models get more and more and more and more similar. Until in the end, when we had the two full-size models um, of Thomas and me, uh, they were almost the same. So basically, um, but this is like a very, very long process. I think it's also like, it's something like getting used to a design which is happening within the studio. So at first the design boss will see like, ah, no, I don't like this blade real light. It's somehow weird. It makes like, it doesn't look right. And then after some weeks seeing it, seeing it again and seeing it again, he will be saying, ah, yeah, maybe, maybe I like it. Maybe it's cool. And it's actually on every piece and every part of the, of the nine, 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 two, it was exactly like that. So at first it was always like, ah, I don't know, should we go like this, should we do that? And then the only thing which you have to do as a designer, as a young designer, is stick to your idea and be sure what you're doing. Would you would you say this actually helped you in something like Porsche? Because, you know, obviously we talked a little bit about this beforehand and stuff, and you said um, because it's such a traditional kind of company, to to push something very radical is relatively relatively difficult and you can imagine doing something you know the same and uh, probably mercedes and bmw pushing for something new is is not always very easy were, do, you, do you think you were rewarded for taking a little bit of risk with this kind of especially like the the light system on the rear uh that was just you know non-traditional yeah i think the reward comes when you think a bit further so like it's it's just like it's it's really it's really basic thinking. So my thoughts about the rear lamps were okay. In the future, like we will have a lot of brands because actually at Audi was at the same time planning to do like a, a complete light band in the rear, and I, I, I thought to myself, okay, all of these brands will have this light band in the rear, and we have to have something which makes us um, which makes us stand out and not be like confused with any other brand. So we were, so I was thinking, okay, let's add these like little black, black winglets, which are actually first, my first thoughts behind that was it could uh, help for the, for the Spülluft. I don't know how it is called in English. So like for the, 
for the air, for the turbo, uh, for the turbos. But in the end, um, it didn't work out. But that's where the basic idea comes from. And actually, on every part you change the car, you have to have a, th a certain thinking behind that. But basically, that's the way I design, and I can't design in a different way. That's also very restrictive in a in a in a weird way because I could never, for example, work for a super stylish brand like I don't know Toyota or something. Even though I kind of like the design sometimes, but I I just can't understand it. Mm -hmm. So when I ask you this thing, I mean, we talk about the you know to the point where you where you're leaving Porsche, but when you work at Porsche and you happen to be in this fortunate position of working on the sports car, so like the 911, and you see the SUVs, you see things such as the Panamera. Um, and I know you're a person that is very um, driven by, you know, your own beliefs in that kind of sense. Is this sometimes difficult to see, like, you know, we're doing these fantastic sports cars. It's almost like the perfect symbiosis of, of design and engineering. And then you see the SUVs and you understand, okay, yeah, they're being sold. But how does it make you feel with somebody, you know, who has this, this, this personal attitude of just like sticking to brands, understanding what brands are. And then you see the SUVs. Is, was, was this difficult sometimes to kind of accept that economically, yes, we have to do this, but for the brand oof, difficult. Mm, yeah. And I'm actually also think economically, we don't have to do it. We have to do it to have like more sales volume, of course. But if actually, if you have a look um, at the like at the figures, the profit, like the, the rate of profit, went down in the last couple of years of Porsche because the volume went went up. So I think um, sticking to your core beliefs of the brand is for is for me actually very very important. That's why I'm a huge fan of Ferrari, for example, because they always stuck to to their way of doing something, and they still make a lot of money. Um, and I think for Porsche, that would have been a similar way. But, uh, of course, modern management tells you it's only about exponential growth or it's only about growth. Only if a company grows, it works, which I think is actually outdated, uh, outdated kind of management. But um, we will see where it ends up when the whole planet is used, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this question. If... If, 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 if you would have gone back to Porsche and taken something off the history, what would you have done instead of maybe an SUV? I mean, there's always these kind of talks and like, you know, enthusiasts would love to see a, a 914 again. Uh, is, is that a kind of direction or would you go more 928 or 944? Or what's your, I, I would, if you would have kept it core at, at the core of Porsche, what would you have done? I would do all of them, actually, I have to say. I would do a 914 electric, uh, small like for younger people actually to get like a fresher wind, like to get refreshed a brand because like the Porsche customers 55 by now um, to get like young people interested in the brand. Um, and I would do a 924, 944 because like this is a sports car brand and you have to, like, you have to somehow cele celebrate their values. And um, I, I can tell you there was a 940s kind of 914 project um, back in the days, which was done by um, a, um, a Canadian designer, which then went to Tesla. Um, and this car was awesome, man. It was really, really great. This would, would be the first... Actually, I've never I've never thought about buying a, a new car, but this, this would have been a car which I would have bought. So um, 
but actually the car industry doesn't make cars anymore for car enthusiasts so it doesn't so you know that's that's actually hard to hard to digest in the end which is quite sad but i think if if you think about porsche being part of the volkswagen group i mean volkswagen had if we look back the xl1 which was a fantastic a uh, very small series production. I think they only did like 100 or 200 of um, of the XL1s. But if you would have used something like this as a platform, maybe a tiny little big, uh, bit bigger, a 914 could have blown everything out of the park. You know, I mean, this would have been the perfect kind of thinking process behind it. Interesting that you say that. Maybe that was the platform for this kind of car. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying that it was, but maybe. <laughs> yeah no but you know i mean this is this is the kind of uh, big advantages of having these massive groups uh, behind something because you you can play with these ideas yeah but the masses is uh, is of course what is really important nowadays it's like you know you need to have the volume you need to have the presence so that you that everybody sees what you're doing and you know that it's that it's there and i have to tell you i was wandering around through paris um you know, a couple of days ago, and you don't see a lot of sports cars here. You see small vehicles, very u utilitarian vehicles in that sense, like Peugeots and Renaults. And compared to my usual home, which is Munich, it's actually very nice not to see the big ones. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, cool, um, have, have the small cars. And why shouldn't, you know, even sports cars companies, I mean, look at Lotus uh, and Caterham, for example, they make small and very well received sports cars so why not do like a 914 based on something like that exactly exactly uh, by the way the designer of that car was uh, julien bilodeau i just i, I was thinking about ah oh, man what's his name a, a really really good designer um and now a tesla left porsche but yeah exactly so actually that was would that w would be the first thing i would do if i would be ceo of porsche um but yes i'm not <laughs> <laughs> well then let's let's actually talk about this what what made you leave porsche what was the reason for you to say um i'll take that step and to, to put a little bit perspective into this is uh you didn't leave porsche one day to another what you did is you went to the volkswagen um, future center in beijing did an exchange there and then you left so first of all what brought you over to china um and then in the end what made you say like and now i'm doing something different uh so The first step was I was actually I have to say I was quite bored in the studio and at Porsche because when you do it like for for nine eight nine years the same stuff um, then it's getting kind of boring. I mean we we for example restarted the next generation for the Boxer three times. You know you do three times the same model. It's like mm, okay. So I thought okay I want to do something something more something new and they offered me actually to go to Beijing. Um, and I said, yeah, why not? It's like about future mobility. It's about the products which will help the people to get, get around better, which will maybe solve some issues which big cities have. And I was quite in interested in that. And also, you have to know, in a big studio like Porsche, um, an exterior designer has to be very short-sighted. So it's basically just about sketching and um, modeling in 3D, and that's it. If you have more what you want to think about, then you are definitely wrong in an exterior design studio. So, and also, some, somehow I missed the perspective. You know, like I couldn't see myself where would I be in 10 years at Porsche still doing the same like designs I do now. Uh, for me, that was not 
was not a good outlook. So you went over to Beijing. Yeah. And the Future Center, of course, for Volkswagen, I mean, they, they do everything um, from, you know, EVTOLs to uh, cars to city, all these kind of things. What changed for you there? Did you did you have a mindset change in this in this environment just because it was a completely not production car related work, or what what happened for you in those? Uh, I think it was two years that you were there um, from a from a mindset perspective. Actually, not that much. Actually, I just found out that this is exactly the the way I want to work. So more more responsibility, um, more more of a concept thinking, more of a like a, a complete. Um, f like a complete thinking behind the pr product and process, you know, like understanding the product even before we start um, sketching on the skin of something. So, because bef shortly before I left to um, to, Be to Beijing, I started my own company on the side as well, where we do products like mobility products. And actually, I, f I figured out with these two kind of new things going on in my life, like Beijing and my own company that I really like to think think a bit further, you know, to after the planning and, and like, uh, have thoughts about how do I manufacture something? What kinds of system does do, do they have to have inside? Where can we position our brand? And all these kind of things you never think about when you are in a studio, of course. And that was super interesting for me. And so I made the decision that after... Beijing, I would start my own uh, little startup, but then, of course, something else happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is we, we come to to Li Xiang in just a little bit, but I wanna I wanna ask you something very interesting uh, that you've just mentioned. Now, I'll go a little bit deeper into this. Um, in a general kind of transportation or car design environment, why do you think? that this kind of idea about branding, about positioning, uh, manufacturing within the design studio is not really pushed for or asked for by the designers because isn't it kind of important for the designer to understand where the products should be should be based rather than just to do a product? Or, I mean, you know, this is this is the question I ask myself is, you know, the, the designers should give it a certain kind of direction why the product is there and, you know, they can tell the story. But it's, oft, it's oftentimes seems to me, A, it's not wanted by management or B, a lot of people just want to sketch. Yeah, I, I think it's both. Um, and I think it's also the, like, the, the design schools which are pushing that. So, for example, I'm like not a traditional Pforzheim guy. I'm, based, I'm actually an industrial design student or industrial designer from Graz. And uh, we had like we had a very different approach to go to to design our products, and I can't see that like I, I can see that in some guys in the car industry, but a lot of guys just want to sketch. You know, it's just like about okay, I make something new, it looks cooler than the last one, and that's it. And uh, for me, that's a bit short-sighted thinking because you will end up in the in the always in the same loop again, again and again, and and. Actually, I I think you're totally right with saying that it's the it's the responsibility of a design team to give a give a future outlook also about the brand values about how the brand will be perceived from the customer because marketing, for example, can't do it. Marketing is always backsided; they always look in the past and, and say, "Oh, okay, like um, they are selling SUV cab uh, cabrios now, so let's do an SUV cabrio." You know, like kind of this stuff. 
you have to, as a designer, I think you have, you have to have a vision and you have to sell your vision to your CEO or to your board. And if you can't do that, then you're maybe just a stylist and not a designer, which is also okay. I mean, like for me, there is a difference between a designer and a stylist. I, I think at Porsche, it's, it's the name Porsche style, which is the name of the studio is actually right because we are more stylists than we are designers at Porsche. Mm. Do you think that's ever going to change? Um, I, th yeah, I think it has to change somehow because uh, for me, some brands seem to be on a dead end at the moment. And um, I think I actually don't know. I, I, this would be like looking in my glass, in my glass wall and seeing like, oh, I don't know. But I would hope so because it's, it's actually fun to do. It's actually fun to create a vision and to um, stand behind certain values for, for, for a brand. It, it makes me actually, I, I can tell you now that since I'm here uh, at Lixiang, I have never been more happier at work. <laughs> really um, and like people would say now, oh yeah, but he was working at a Chinese startup. How can he do? But it's, you can't imagine how different this is to a big 100 year old brand. Yeah. Well, let, let me, let me ask the question and then we get into uh, Li Xiang in, uh, in detail. What did your friends tell you when you said like you're leaving officially Porsche? Of course, at that point you were at, um, in uh, in Beijing already, but you were leaving Porsche for a Chinese startup. What were your friends and, and, and all these kind of guys saying? I mean, this this is almost like you know you can you, you you step from the highest level that you can reach in terms of probably brands, especially for German brands, putting it that way, um, into into the world of the unknown. What 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 did your friends and what did your colleagues say? <laughs> so um, okay, the people who really know me, they said, okay, do it, go for it. And the other people, of course, said, man, how can you? Are you crazy? <laughs> Some people made actually bets how long I will stay here. They were like, three months and then you will quit. <laughs> like, I think the shortest one was one month and I will quit. Um, yeah, but it's kind of, to be honest, I, I've never feel, felt really at home at Porsche because maybe in the beginning, like in the very, very beginning when we were in the old studio and test this and it had this, family feeling and you felt like you know like it still had kind of this garage feeling which is completely unbelievable but 10 years ago it, it still had this kind of yeah we are, we are doing something cool here you know we have not the fanciest place but we are we are doing awesome sport car, sports cars and in in this 10 years it really changed to a kind of i don't i don't want to be like mean but in the kind of to a kind of snobbish place which where it's like really just about okay, I work at Porsche, you know, I can, I have a leasing car, look at me. And I was like, wow, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the problem about size as well, you know, and it's, 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 of course, if you, if you look back and I think a lot of people will tell you this, who've been in the industry for a long time is the, the creation process in smaller teams and their scientific proof to that as well. Um, Let's not go into too much detail of that, but I've been dealing with that a lot recently. Um, is, is 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 very much like that. It's to say, like a team up to a certain size is way more effective, and beyond that, it's becoming less effective, uh, even if you have uh, more projects at the same time. And it's a very interesting kind of uh, you know uh, 
way that you're saying this because when we look into the sham right now it is a startup but it's you know producing cars already it's been is still a very small company and it, from what you are telling me is doesn't make sense to grow absolutely massively big for that one um understanding china there's a lot of startups what made you actually go to for something like li xiang and not to one of the other hundred that are currently out there <laughs> yeah um actually to be honest i have to say i wasn't i wasn't looking to go somewhere else i really wanted to do my startup in berlin which is still side business now at the moment um they actually contacted me and uh through a friend um and they knew they knew that i'm in beijing and i had like my first talks with the design director and uh, he was already super, super cool. And I was like, how the hell can he be designing a director? He's way too cool and way too open and way too nice for something like this. Um, and he convinced me to come around, to have a look and to also meet Li Xiang himself, like the 38 year old founder and billionaire of this uh, company. Basically like they say, it's kind of a, a Chinese Elon Musk. And, um, so I had my appointment with him and he like drove me around through Beijing in the Lixiang one. And this was actually, I have to say like the three most interesting hours almost in my life so far, I have to say. It's just like just a, there was a, a man sitting like in his thirties with a vision, you know, he wants to do something and he has a clear vision where he wants to be. And he wants, and he wanted me to help him with that. And for me, it was, first of all, it was a great honor. And second of all, I saw the potential in this brand with, um, with their very clean first car they did. And I could see where it where it's, could be going. And uh, then for me, after this talk, it was clear. Like, I was like, okay, I want to do it. And even the, the funny thing is, like people think, yeah, he went for the money. And I didn't go for the money because as a, as a FSE, which means like as an external contract guy in, in Volkswagen, you earn a lot of money. Actually, I not more than that now, but I have way, 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 way more fun. It's it's just like it's a whole new, um, it's a whole new world actually. How is it for you adapting to Chinese culture? Um, in particular, obviously as a Westerner, uh, you've grown up in a very, uh, let's say, planned organization <laughs> in Porsche and Volkswagen as a whole. And now you're getting into China where the attitude is, let's get shit done, uh, to be fair. How, obviously you as a person absolutely love this, but how is this transitioning working for you? I mean, you must have the steepest learning curve every single day, understanding, you know, communicating, finding ways to, to get something to work uh, without even speaking, you know, fluent, fluent Chinese in that kind of sense. So how, how do you manage? What's your, what's, what's your recipe? <laughs> Her recipe is... Uh so basically i was i was raised um treating every person like uh, like you would, would treat your brothers and actually that's what i do and that's in china i have to say it works perfectly because people are especially in this comp uh, company so friendly and it's it's just such a nice uh, vibe to work it's i know it, it sounds a bit like i have my love goggles on or something but it's it's really weird i i wouldn't have expected that at first because actually i have to say Landing in China was like culture shock um, 1000, two years ago. Like I was really the first half year, I was like, oh my God, what did I do? Um, <laughs> oh no. But now I 
it's I love it, and it's I think it's you have to get adapted in a certain kind of manners or kind of you you treat people differently. It's 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 a bit more respectful in in some ways and a bit less respectful in other ways, and you have to first to really adapt to that. And like working in a startup here is just like I would do my own startup as well. You know, it's just like if we. It's like short ways to the person who is actually doing something. And it's like short decisions. If I want to have a decision of my CEO, I just ask him. He comes around. He like His office is uh, maybe 50 meters away. And then we just go for it. And this is super great because we can do... I can tell you now I'm three months here. We did almost one full car in three months, which is absolutely impossible in uh, in the German car industry because... First of all, you have to ask your chief designer, then his, the, the chief, or you have to ask your team leader. Your team leader asks the chief designer. This guy asks maybe one guy of the board, then the board comes together, but the board comes together every two months. So, you know, like the, the decision making in these kind of brands is, um, is way, 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 way slower. And that makes it uninteresting for people who, who like to work fast. For this kind of experience, with you know not just the, the the quickness but i think what is most important is the decision making process um in this in this entire system are are you are you are you are you aware of yourself that this period can only continue for a certain amount of time because at some point the company depending on how many products you have a design team can take can be small but of course you know organizations have to grow um and you you will need to have a certain amount of people so not having that uh, that that immediate access to the top level management will will be there for forever. What 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 are what are you doing right now to make sure you can you can extend this period for the longest time possible? Because especially in China, you know, growing companies is very important. There's also these kind of factors of uh, you know support from the government. Is the more people you have, the more support you will get because it helps to bring in employment. So what do you do to kind of find exactly that middle way at the moment? To, to, to never lose that touch because we can see that with a lot of other companies uh, on the startup level that have lost this touch and then you can see it falling back onto the products again because it's the products are not just becoming that great anymore. Yeah. Um, in this company, it's actually pretty easy. It's, that's what I was talking about earlier with the, the designers have to have a vision. Ishang um, himself, he trusts us in creating his vision. or in his, You know, he said, once, he said once, he doesn't know what he likes but he know he knows what he doesn't like, so actually he knows that we can provide the vision for him, and we can provide how the cars in the future can look like, and what what they could do already, like in, in how they would be positioned. And that's actually awesome to to know that that this guy is um, trusting us so much. And based on this trust, I don't think that. Uh, that we will ever have problems um, like we will, you would face uh, in in a traditional car company because actually design in here is um, is on a very very high level in the hierarchy of the company. So his great like Li Xiang's great um, role model is actually Apple Apple and Apple Design, the twenty Apple industrial designers who are responsible for every product which Apple is doing, even though there are, of course, way, way more designers than the 20 of the industrial group, you know. But it's basically the core design team which is defining the brand. 
and this is the way he wants to go. And um, I trust him by saying that. It's uh, for all the listeners, of course, 20 designers at Apple, 20 modelers uh, as well. But you have, of course, uh, especially on the more complex side with icons and stuff like that, but we're talking really about the industrial product uh, process in there. And uh, that has, uh, you know, has uh, has given them wonders, I think, in terms of the outcome. And I think actually learning from that kind of background and, you know, not putting Apple on the highest pedestal because there's been a lot of change, of course, and I think a lot of this was only with the, the trust of John Yive that happened in there. I think it's actually a good idea for car companies to start thinking about something like that. Do we need um, that many people working on... Uh, you know, one car, or can we actually break it down and give the responsibility to the people? Um, and that's a very interesting thought because, you know, look at look into a lot of uh, into a lot of companies nowadays. They have so many designers, you don't even know what you want to do with them. Yeah, because it was always about just growing. You know, just, you know, just growing it. In what you learn, what you learn in Volkswagen Group is you have to be important. What what does it mean as a manager? You have to have a big team. Okay, and you have to have like teams under your team. That means like you you're creating this whole uh, ecostructure or this whole environment of sometimes really useless teams, and that's the only thing you you learn actually when you when you want to be when you when you want to come to a high position in 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 these kind of groups because it's a traditional way to do so, and I think there will be different solutions. As you mentioned earlier, there will be like you, you can get like work labor into your studio for short peaks, peak times, because to be honest, you're not always doing a new model. And then you have have these like 30 designers sitting around. But if you have like quality designers who can come in for a short period of time and you as the core team still have in mind how your brand should look like, then it's super easy to to get um, to get around every peak which will happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also a question of like you know changing the model ranges. I mean, what we're seeing right now, and especially in China, um, is that the life cycles are just shorter, uh, which also means that you need to be more adaptable with the entire team, and especially in creative teams. And I don't want to say you, you you know reacting to trends, but it's just like you know reacting to the customers, reacting to what's happening around you, and trying to predict as well what the next thing is going to happen. And that only happens if you have a certain fluidity in your team. If you don't get that, you might end up on these, uh, you know, in, in these design teams where the people have been sitting there for 20, 25 years, nothing against them. But at some point, if you don't push them regularly, they will, they will almost become like, uh, you know, part of the inventory. Uh, in that sense. And that's, I think, what the smaller companies, the startup companies can avoid, but it's also something that the bigger companies, I mean, especially someone like like Porsche, um, would actually do well with. You know, I mean, why why not bring in uh, uh, Sasha Selipanov uh, for a few months and ask him to do, uh, you know, a new GT or something like that, you know, or bring someone in who comes in from, a, from an SUV background if you want to do a new one. Like, have the specialists come in for a certain amount of time to give you ideas or trend uh, researchers or whatever. There's all these different kind of ideas. I think we shouldn't take ourselves too serious that everything needs to be done in-house, but uh, enjoy this kind of sharing factor, you know, of, uh, of, 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 of what it's all about. And in the end, I mean, um, this, uh, you know, the conversations we had about your startup with uh, OHE, 
is very similar to that. You know, it's about what is progressive, what is new, but progressive is never something that is just from one day to another. It has to always continue, you know, and this kind of continuous thought is, um, I think, you know, companies that are in startup phase are much more flexible to, to incorporate. Definitely, definitely. I can see that here. And uh, of course, um, it's, of, of course, you, you also can't comp really compare it because a company which is which grew like in the last 50, 60 years is, of course, way, way different to something which is just existing for five. And yeah, but for me, like personally, it's just about, you know, like about I'm, I'm a person who gets bored quickly. So <laughs> for me, it's just, yeah, it's just it's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun to work in a kind of in kind of this environment. And that's why I like it. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's creative. So let me ask it's about one, creativity. That's the thing. Let me ask you one interesting thing. Um, the first car that Li Xiang did was an SUV. Yeah. Did that kind of, did that cause a little bit of problem with you personally? Is that you said like, oh, it's an SUV? Or, <laughs> because you mentioned like, you know, how, how strong the vision was and that you believed in the vision. So it obviously sounds to me that you believe more in the vision than seeing the car. But was there a little bit something in you and just like, okay, there is this risk factor that we're just doing SUVs? <laughs> uh, no, actually not, because in this case, it makes sense to make SUVs. Because, uh, you know, like Lee Xiang himself, he did. Uh, he has this platform called Auto Home or Chehe Jia, like the biggest website for car research on on the planet, actually. Like, I think they are, like, um, stock, like, they have, like, worth of 12 billion US, US dollars at the moment. He sold this company before. Or, but he has still like uh, the information from that company, and so he knows exactly what the customer wants. And the Chinese and these cars are for the Chinese tier two, tier three, and tier four cities, where there is mm -hmm. no electrical infrastructure to charge a, a fully equipped uh, car like Neo or Tesla, but where the people want to drive because Chinese people are family family people. They want to drive with their child or with the two childs they can have now and with their grandpa and grandma so this car is actually a six or seven seater and it's made for family use and it's made for bad streets or like not the perfect environment where you could drive a limousine or something else and uh, he could explain me exactly why this car looks like that and that made it for me um followable you know i could follow his thoughts and 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 and, and then i could see his vision which is which is kind of sad to say, but at Porsche, nobody has that, you know, it, mm -hmm. they're just like, ah, oh, yeah, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do this. Um, even like, I have to say like, even the CEOs, they, they are kind of, of course they're, they're brought up in this company, uh, company, but they don't have a big vision behind because they, ne they, they didn't found the company. They didn't start mm -hmm. this. They are employees as well. And uh, yeah. So this was actually, very astonishing to to for me to meet a person like this like with fire you know it's just a, yeah. a person with yeah. fire how do you deal with all that data i mean for your design process itself i mean you've been there for like three months now so it's very uh, relatively still very very early on but if you have access to all of this data which is let's be honest it's absolute gold just to have that um Do you start a design process then differently as you would do as, you know, just like, oh, here's the 992 or like, let's do a 914. Do you think differently because you have this data? Okay, so we can 
we should probably do this and we should probably do that because we have this information. Definitely, yes. Um, but just more into in, 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 a, in, a, in a way of how you use the products. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, a, not about styling because like actually in a, in, in a styling way, Lee Xiang trusts us as a team. He says like, okay, you do it, you make it look like this and that or like actually we told him how we want to make it look. And he said, okay, you make it look like this. But in case of which class uh, car do, are we making, like um, which size, which wheelbase, um, which components are inside, then we can, of course, have like um, this, this kind of data has a, a big impact on us. Uh, and we can basically really customize our, our, our proportion models And, and our interiors to a certain fact or to, to a certain way, in a certain way. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, to talk about just that, we should probably revisit in about a year's time <laughs> yeah. uh, because then you have, you have more data, you have a higher source. I mean, like, you know, you mentioned you did one car, but uh, I would love to speak about this um, with, you know, database approach. Um, not obviously uh, in, in an artificial intelligence. I think we should be very straightforward to this. It's like, this is not data, putting it into a computer and then there's a design coming out. It's like using and understanding data and making decisions why then, you know, a, a car should have a certain kind of feature improved. But uh, yeah. we should talk about this again in about a year's time when you've worked on a few more projects because then we can go into much more detail um, on, on understanding how important that data actually is. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Yeah, but before I let you go, uh, because I do really appreciate that you've taken like, you know, uh, 40 minutes out of your day that we talk about these things. It's super interesting. But you, as every guest on the show, will get the three questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And uh, answer them straight out of your gut. Okay. Uh, not too much thinking to them, uh, because that's always the most honest and the, and the, best, um, the best answer. Two projects. Well, the two first questions are not related to a car uh, or transportation. So you can answer the first two on anything. The first, uh, the, the third one is the car question. Yeah. But we start with the non-car ones. Which project you did not participate in, you would have absolutely loved to be a part of? And this doesn't have to be a car. It can be anything at any time that you can imagine. Oh, that's a trick question, man. Is there so many projects actually you, you know what the the cake bike <laughs> right cake i love this brand and i love how how uh, stefan um, um did like created this kind of brand around it i would have loved to be part of creation like part of the creation of that brand not about the design or anything but just about the brand creation that would have been cool all right question number two which designer you have or have not worked with had the biggest influence on your creative career? Um, wow. That actually, there's a, there's a lot of designers who had like a very big influence. Yeah. You can mention a few as well. It's just to get a little bit of a gist like where your inspiration came from. Yeah. yeah. So early on, I was really inspired by the, by BMW design. So by, um, by the first BMW Z4, who, uh, which was like, who was the design boss back in the days? Was that Daniel? I think was that. Uh... I, I actually can't remember, but but it, it's um, but you know, like this, this this kind of surfacing was like 
so amazing and was so nice and so fresh and so clean and new um, that, that uh, this was really driving me towards uh, wanting to become become a designer. And um, later on in my professional in my professional life, I had like a lot of teachers because I have to say like I wasn't like I would have I would say I wasn't the most talented guy, but I'm a quick learner and I had good teachers like. Um, the guy I learned the most recently would definitely be Emil Burki, like the, the guy behind mm -hmm. Mission E. Um, but of course, also bosses who kind of encouraged you to to follow your your vision or to follow your kind of design, which which would be my my first like actually the guy who brought me to Porsche, uh, Matthias Kula, which was a great guy, uh, like a great boss in in his philosophical thinking behind a brand and, and behind uh, form and form language because he always encouraged to make something which follows your feeling and, and encourage the designer to, to work on, on their own character. Um, yeah, but there, actually I have a lot of examples in, in this. I have like also guys I was like um, admiring when I was studying, you know, like for example, um, Moritz Martin with his awesome, mm -hmm. with his awesome diploma work he did, or um, uh, Florian Flatow, um, or uh, who else can you say? Sasha definitely with his like angry Sasha car design block, you know. Like, <laughs> and this guy seems to be cool. I was like always, like always uh, hanging around on his when he had, still had his block spot thingy, which he closed yeah. on. Oh, it was really, really nice. It was kind of this this first uh, learning like period where you have a lot of influence from a lot of different designers. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's actually not one; it's just, a lot. Just to just to add on the the BMW Z4, so the first generation uh, yeah. called the model name E eighty nine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was done by Anders. Um, Uh, and it says here on, on, on um, I'm on Wikipedia at the moment. So if anybody has more insight on that, I actually can ask Anders as well. It was uh, done from mid 1998 to the summer of 1999. Yeah. And uh, the the lead design was by Anders Warming, yeah. and the coupe models were done by Thomas Sicher, who is now at uh, Mini. I think he's head of exterior at Mini, and this was all done in the Bengal era. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was developed and furthermore from the from the Gina and everything. So. I, yeah, yeah, people will hate me like when I say now I really like the Bengal era of uh, of BMW design, but I really like that. <laughs> But it's, well, I could get his thinking, you know. I, I know how this guy thinks, and and that's why these cars were kind of cool for me. I I can't understand the new uh, form language of BMW. I can understand that people like it, but for me, I can't follow it, so I can't really relate my kind of design to it. But uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Last but not least, if I give you a blank check, which car would you buy? <laughs> a blank check. Blank check. Whatever money you need. <laughs> Can I buy two? Uh, I'll give you two. Okay. So I would I would like to have my my Datsun 240Z back. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Because I sold that before I went to China. Which color did you have? Uh, black. Black. Everything black. Wow. Black in and out. Nice. And then I would, because this is like a really old car and it's like, you can't drive it every day. And then I would 
want now i'm now i'm stuck because i would have i would want so many cars actually <laughs> <laughs> that's why i'm saying you know it's usually this kind of gut feeling it's like this first car like or like the first couple of cars boom come to your mind like what, right away what's funny i i had the bmw i8 in my mind but just because i just, just see some like i just saw some uh, uh like black on black everything black i8 driving yeah. around here in beijing and uh, like two days ago And it looks so fucking cool in this, like, you know, like this city full of skyscrapers <laughs> of the skyscrapers in that car. And then I was driving with my electric scooter behind it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's fucking awesome. I was like <laughs> waving to the guy. And the guy, of course, because I'm like a very blonde foreigner, was like waving back. And he's like, oh, hey, nice. And I was like, cool car. And he's like, yeah, nice. So actually, I would I would say I would take the i8 and the uh, and Datsun. <laughs> Datsun. I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. Ben, thank you very much for taking the time uh, and for being so open and sharing with uh, with all of us. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, this went really from very traditional to a startup very quickly and uh, shows you the range of that we have nowadays in, in transportation design. But as always, uh, if you enjoyed this uh, this uh, this recording of the Gestalten podcast, whichever channel you're listening to us, if you can rate us, give us a high rating, always helps us as well. And uh, once again, uh, Ben, thank you very much. And we will be back in a couple of weeks' time with the next episode of the Gestalten podcast. And until then, bye-bye.